Welcome into the seventh episode of the second season of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill. Alongside me is Walt, as always, as is hosted by the Charging Buffalo. Walt, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. I mean, looking forward to talking some Sabres hockey. We will be talking some Sabres hockey, but first, we have an exclusive interview. Uh, the leader of the Charging Buffalo went out to Vegas. His name is Jared Halt. Uh, he went out to Vegas for the All-Star Game. Uh, got just a bunch of different content and awesome stories to come of it. So let's just throw it right to that interview. Here is uh, Jared talking about the All-Star game. All right, thanks for joining us, Jared. Um, We're going to get right into the questions because we know your time is valuable. Um, For me, I think just giving everyone a synopsis of like your entire trip uh, to Vegas for the All-Star game and just kind of like the the behind-the-scenes things of – we saw like the pictures you were taking and and you were around like Deion Dawkins and, um, you know, Rasmus Dahlin and – Connor McDavid, all those players, um, but just kind of like some of the other things that maybe weren't caught on camera. What were some of the things that uh, you know you you saw around there that were really cool? Yeah, I mean, definitely the first thing that uh, no one got to see on camera was our struggle just getting out there. We actually didn't think we were going to be able to go for like a good three three to four hours because um, we actually ended up scheduling our flights like a day early, and then. Um, all of our flights on the day early that we scheduled them all ended up getting delayed because I don't know if you guys remember from last week, but there was a pretty heavy snowstorm hitting Buffalo. So we took the precautionary route and tried to go a day early and then everything ended up getting delayed anyway. So we got like the last, the last effort flight and, uh, we were finally able to get out there. So, but, um, you know, honestly, it was like really cool weekend all around, especially for me. I've never really been to um that many arenas honestly outside the sabers i think i've been to toronto and chicago but those were more so just going um as a fan like to watch games and stuff so i think more than anything just kind of being in um you know another another city's atmosphere and just being obviously like the the all-star game is sort of just like the hub for every team in the league and so many cool people are there so just being surrounded by like so many different people throughout the weekend was kind of like um i don't know not not I wouldn't say like starstruck, but um, everything was just like moving so fast. Like, especially at the all-star game specifically, like you mentioned a few guys there, like just being down in the uh, down in like the player and media area and whatnot. Like one da- one time we're walking past McDavid and then like Mahomes is walking by. So uh, there was like a bunch of really cool people there, obviously in, in Vegas, the pro bowl was going on that weekend too. So that was really cool, but um, really just the event in general too. Um, like I said, sort of getting to cover that, getting to cover an event like in another atmosphere. Other than Sabres games, uh, the Combine is really the only thing that uh, we've done as a brand. So that was really cool. Um, you know, also just getting to work with Matt and Nick and having 
really a hand with like some of the the multimedia stuff nick is like a professional photographer pretty much and um he got a ton of really awesome content for us so um really the whole weekend was just awesome i think we got a lot of really good content um for our socials and everything like that and uh got to really network and meet some cool people along the way so it was dope that's awesome that's awesome i mean i know i have more questions but walt did you want to get in on the action yeah i mean i know uh I know you guys were like uh, with the skate skin stuff. I saw uh, you give a couple of those to some of the players. I mean, did any of the players actually end up wearing those during like the skills competition or the All Star game? Yeah, so no players did, but we actually had the uh, the Vegas Golden Knight mascot guy. He's actually worn them in some of the pregame stuff before. I think if you guys follow the Dish and socials, you've probably seen it a little bit. But um, we actually got to meet him uh, just, just kind of in passing. Uh, between some of the events and he's actually i think he's from the uk or britain or like somewhere i don't want to um you know wrongfully uh assume where he's from but he had a really cool accent that i i wasn't expecting and you know just really got getting to hear someone like that sort of backstory and how they end up becoming like the vegas golden knight guy was really cool um so he was one guy that wore them but um no no players were able to wear them for this event but uh, we got some stuff in the works for the future for sure. And it was really cool. Just like I, a lot of these guys, we've sort of um, seen sort of express interest and in whatnot over the past couple of years, like on social media and stuff. But to have uh, them really just see the product in person and, um, you know, kind of just get to link up with them was was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, I saw like Austin Matthews, I think, was checking them out. And yeah, um, Matthews, Clayton Keller. Yeah, um, yep, they were actually able to give Keller a pair, which is really cool. Um, but awesome. you know, it, it like I know Matthews for sure too. Like obviously, he's one of the more like, um, like front facing guys for the NHL when it comes to like fashion and just like being creative and um, really just like branding your your personality and all that off the ice. So I think you know he kind of embodies everything that. Um, you know, we're kind of trying to build with Justition and Matt and Nick and kind of their vision for everything. So getting to meet him was definitely really cool. And um, like I said, I think just kind of giving some of the guys the products in person and um, eventually, you know, hopefully working towards seeing them uh, in some game action and stuff is definitely a really cool experience. I know the guys worked with Dion Dawkins or maybe not worked with him, but like they got him like some rollerblades with some skate skins on them. Um, and I know oh, Dion yeah. Dawkins did come over and like hang out with Darlene. Was that kind of like he recognized the Justition guys too? And I'm sure they'll talk about that on their own podcast and everything like that. But I just wanted to kind of get like the vibe of when uh, Darlene and Dawkins and like Connor McDavid and you guys were all around. I just kind of wanted to to get like a feeling of, of how that was to, to be around. Yeah, it was really cool. So Dion actually... Um, just from doing stuff with the Dishon guys over the past couple of years, the skates was one thing recently this summer, but um, I think they gave him a, a pair of shoes a couple of years ago as well. So like they've been, they've had a good relationship with Dion the past couple of years to the point that like, you know, it's kind of just friendly now. It's not really um, just for like business or, or marketing or like whatever you want to call that kind of stuff. But um, no, so we actually, it was cool. We got to meet up with Dion the night before as well. We were kind of just, going out, getting some food, getting some drinks and stuff, walking around, kind of just exploring Vegas because um, this was, I think, the first full day that we were there. And like I said, uh, Dion just has like a good relationship with the guys now. So um, we linked up the night before. And Dion, we actually, uh, we met him in this little like 
sort of hub where there's a bunch of food, like I said, a bunch of restaurants and different things. And Dion actually bought us in and out, which was really cool. Um, got to hang out with him that night for a little bit, uh, kind of just chop it up about really all different stuff. Like I said, he's just, he's one of those athletes that, um, you know, you really, he just feels like your friend, I guess, in person and he treats everyone the same and, you know, doesn't really come off like, uh, some of these other athletes may in person. But, um, so that was really cool. We got to see him the night before. And then the next day, uh, we were actually just walking out of like the media room, I believe, where they do a bunch of interviews. And that's when we saw Dion and Rasmus and, um, they actually have a good relationship with Rasmus as well. So it was kind of perfect timing. Um, so they were actually, I think they were in the middle of recording that little skit that everyone saw on the social medias and stuff. And then, uh, we kind of just talked to them a little bit after and, I think the the McDavid the McDavid thing was actually really random. So I'll kind of give uh, my perspective on how that all went down. So I think just after Dion was doing the stuff with the Sabers and how they were filming and whatnot, we were just talking to him. And like I said, this was just this was where I mentioned before that like we saw Mahomes and a couple other guys. And uh, so there was kind of just people, players, celebrities, whatever, just like walking all over the place. And McDavid happened to be down there, and we were just like kind of shooting the shit with Dion and we were just telling him um like how good McDavid was and whatnot and just like because you know I think he's definitely like familiar with a lot of the NHL guys but um we I don't know especially like I'm sure you guys would agree I don't think McDavid's like greatness is necessarily marketed or like perceived as much as it should be like in the general public as it is for just like hockey fans so we were kind of just giving him the rundown that like yo he's he's gonna be like one of the all-time greats so he was like, oh, like, I got to get a picture with him. We were like, yeah, like, you definitely do. So McDavid's walking by, and Dion just uh, Dion just kind of called him over. And McDavid, like, he was just right there to a, a point where, like, there was no ignoring it. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they kind of just started chopping it up. I got I got this whole thing on video. This will one day this will one day be out there. But um, so Dion and McDavid were just chopping it up. Dion told him, you know, I need to, I need to get the picture. Nick, uh, Nick luckily was right next to me with his camera. So I got the video. Nick, Nick was able to take the pictures and he's got the one of ones. No one else in the world has those pictures. So that was, that was pretty cool. It was just like, I, I think I, I said this in, uh, our newsletter article, but I was just like, it was the greatest crossover event in history just because it's so random. Obviously like you expect to see Dion with a guy like Darlene or something, but for anyone that, you know, wasn't there for that moment to just see Dion with Connor McDavid is just, is just such a funny kind of combination so that was definitely honestly out of all the moments that happened on the trip that's definitely up there is like the one i'll never forget that's awesome i mean i have one more question then i'll let walt do whatever um besides and you kind of mentioned it before but like outside of the arena i was just kind of wondering what was your favorite part you said the night before you went out and just kind of went and explored so like just kind of outside of like the hockey the all-star game stuff like that um you know what was your your favorite part of the trip yeah, um, so I guess this, this is like a kind of a cop-out answer. We went to the Chicklets Cup the, day, the first day we got there, which was actually really cool because it was just a really big like street hockey festival almost. So that was really cool to experience. And there was a lot of like NHL guys playing, like Patrick Sharp was playing, Scott Darling, um, a bunch of really cool people there. So that was cool. And then for me, honestly, um, I, just kind of experiencing like everything in Vegas, just taking in the strip, taking in all the different casinos, like all the different attractions out there even just like the weather and sort of enjoying like we had right out our hotel window we had like a really sick view of like mountains and um you can see like the planes coming in and whatnot and for me like i've just 
I never traveled a whole lot growing up or anything like that. So for me, like I've never been on the West Coast. So to experience that was was really cool and um, probably one of my favorite parts because I'm a, I'm a big uh, city person too. Like I I mentioned I went to Chicago earlier in here. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Toronto. I just like big cities. So um, I, I just think Vegas is a really cool city and it's definitely somewhere like after going there, like you you kind of just appreciate it a little more because it's just one of those things like you only see in movies and whatnot. So um, my first experience of there was, was definitely, definitely really cool. I don't think I have one, one really attraction or anything that, that stands out, but really just the, the whole city in general and just being there for like all the events was, was really, really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Walt, you got anything else on, on your end? Uh, we appreciate the time as, as always, Jared, but um, you know, let Walt put sure the last was. one in here. We got to chop yeah, up I mean, some uh, sabers. Man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my one question is about like Vegas. I mean, you wouldn't really think of it as a hockey city, but I know they've been like up the practices down there packed, like really everything, like the fans have really taken on to the team. Like, could you get the sense that like Vegas is like a hockey town, despite it being in like the middle of a desert? Yeah, I thought that was one of like the more noticeable things, I think, just kind of walking up and down the strip because the Pro Bowl was there as well, as we sort of alluded to. And I felt like everywhere we walked, maybe it's just because I'm, I kind of pick up on this a little bit more and you kind of see NFL stuff everywhere. But I felt like I was just seeing so many people wearing like um, gear from like teams out of town. I saw like a bunch of Rangers, a bunch of Bruins, uh, a couple Sabres fans, a couple Bills fans, which was really cool. But um, no, I think especially before the actual All-Star game too, the skills competition, we got there so early in the day that we didn't really get to see the environment um outside the arena like right before everything got started but the uh the day of the actual all-star game it was at like noon so we got there you know pretty early still but fans were already kind of getting there uh getting ready to go in and they had sort of like a party in the plaza thing almost going on outside t-mobile arena and that was really cool um and even even as i mentioned like at the uh the chicklets cup like there were so many fans there like i couldn't believe sort of the atmosphere um, just for like an outdoor sort of street hockey tournament. Obviously, again, it helps like having the everyone there for the All Star game. But I thought like the the atmosphere at the arena and everything was really awesome. And um, even like I said, just like walking around the city, you you saw hockey fans everywhere, which I thought was really cool. They definitely took over the city for a little bit. That's awesome. That sounds like a great time. Well, uh, we're we're super excited to see any other content that comes out. I'm just honestly itching to see that that video of like Connor <laughs> McDavid and. Dawkins talking, but, um, yeah, Jared, I mean, plug any kind of social you want. I mean, he is at Jared Halt, H A L T on Twitter, but anything else you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, no, I, you, you plugged it for me. So, uh, if you want to follow me, go ahead. Got some, got some good Sabres takes all the time. Not as good as these guys, but yeah. Um, no, I would just say, you know, follow, follow these guys, follow the charging Buffalo and, uh, feel free to shoot us any, any recommendations you guys ever got. We appreciate your time, Jared. Thank you, man. Yep. Later. All right. And thank you again to Jared for joining us. Um, that was an awesome conversation. We'll definitely have him on more, especially probably over the summer. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about, uh, you know, seeing what else has, has come of that. And especially from like the justition guys and, and stuff like that. So um, not saying I'm jealous that he was able to go to Vegas in the middle of February while I was shoveling, but um, it sounded like a lot of fun. Uh, did you end up watching the all-star game and, and the festivities at all? Uh, I mean, I was, I think I was out at dinner 
oh, Friday night when it was a skills competition. So I caught a little bit of that on the TV there. But I mean, the actual game, I mean, I got to admit, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I mean, I saw the skills competition. I was trying to watch it for a while. Um, they did, like, I saw them do the thing on, I guess, what was in front of the, oh, man. It wasn't the Bellagio or it was in the fountain in front of crap. Uh, yeah, the, whatever it was. I, uh, I I can't yeah, remember. I'm not a gambler, casino. so I don't. One of the casinos. Um, I saw that. That was pretty cool. Um, the the woman that was there like whooped everyone's butt. She she crushed it. Um, it kind of lost me. Like I saw the Zegris thing, but then once like I kind of turned it off once like Pitcher Angelo got out there with the drum line. I'm like, this is gonna be stupid. Turns out he ended up winning. He ended up winning that competition yeah, over Zegris, that... which is just like, what do we do? The peak NHL, but let's not. That's not yeah, what we're gonna do. I mean, like that Zegras thing probably got so many social media hits, and then he somehow loses so, the it's just the shootout competition. It's like the it's like that like little kid at the Sabres game that like lost oh, uh, yeah. the little trivia or whatever, and they're like, "All right, good luck but, next uh, time." And it's just like, "Yo, it's a little so, kid." What, I think it's Calo Poso naming the princesses, and the kid oh, lost. Yeah. They didn't even give him the prize. Yeah, I was just like, oh my god, what are we doing here? Well, better luck next time. <laughs> you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps next time, kid. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, I just have to go back. I'm jealous. I'm jealous that he was able to go to the All Star game. But no better person to go out there with the Justician guys. Um, sounds like they had a great time, and that's awesome, man. Um, you know, to kind of get not only have like the NHL All Star game there, but you had the uh the pro bowl there too and i mean when you, yeah when it comes to like just kind of like intermingling those two i mean the nfl is significantly bigger than the nhl so like you kind of want that to happen if you're the nhl that's like a good thing to happen i mean the nhl should honestly just tra- chase the pro bowl wherever it goes yeah i mean that's yeah that's definitely a pretty unique setup this year i mean yeah it's really cool that they got to do everything with like Deion dawkins i mean it's also cool to see I mean, just some Buffalo company, some Buffalo guys, uh, I mean, charging Buffalo and uh, yeah. justition. I mean, seeing what they're doing and I'll be able to bring it on the national stage. Absolutely. And it's like their hard work over years and years and years is paying off and they're able to go do these cool things. So um, I can't you know, think of anyone else that deserves it more than than those guys that were able to go out there. Super happy for them. Looked awesome. Um, got some great content out of it. So totally worth. But we're going to get into... Man, there's so many topics I want to talk about. I don't even know where to start. The first note I took, this was maybe like the night or or the night after um, our last episode, is Aaron Dell. Freaking just took oh, out yeah. Drake, Drake Batherson. And um, just a little pre-warning, I actually wanted to say this in the beginning. I didn't. But um, we are recording this before tonight's game on Tuesday. They're playing the Islanders at home. Um, so just anything oh, that we do, happen. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a super boring game probably, but <laughs> just if for any reason something comes up that we say tonight that doesn't, you know, quite fit the narrative, I guess that comes out of after this game, I don't know what that might be. I'm just giving that pre-warning, but yeah, I mean, like if we really wanted to talk about the things that are a little bit older, like Aaron Dell, like, what are you doing? I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but what the hell was that, man? Yeah, I mean, that honestly, just such a dirty play. I mean, really no defending what he did there. And also, I believe one of the Ottawa writers reached out to Batherson about a week after, and he said that Aaron Dell never, like, reached out to Batherson to apologize, which is really? just, I mean, yeah, I don't really understand. That's abusing. That stuff, I mean. It was abusing <laughs> a privilege. The privilege is I'm going to skate around you and not plow you over 
because you're a goaltender. That's kind of like the same thing when they're playing the puck guys usually don't run them over kind of thing. And he just abused that to me, that was an abuse of power. And it, it just, yeah. that really bothered me. Um, ended up, it likely ended his Batherson season. And I mean, he hasn't apologized directly to him for it. I just that just really rubs me the wrong way. We're not gonna spend too much time on it, um, but that's just that's just not right, man. That's just you don't want to see someone you don't want to see anyone do that, but you definitely don't want to see someone on your team who you're supposed to support do something like that because you have to call balls and strikes, especially when you you know want to be considered like a fair critic, and that's a, like just a complete cheap shot. Now, like yeah. yeah, maybe if we're Jack Edwards and we lived in in Boston, we. It'd be like great play if that was a yeah, Boston goal. No but you know, it's just it's pretty tough um, to to see something like that. You know what else is tough? There's gonna be an NHL team playing out of college. Which to preface this, that's an awesome opportunity. But you have to realize Arizona is very much like Buffalo when it comes to just like ownership or management or just general team wise. They're very much like Buffalo. And would you, if this same situation where you Again, Arizona has to move into ASU, Arizona State University's like new, getting built right now facility that's going to have like 3,200 seats plus box seats, so about 5,000, I guess they're guessing. Um, but if this was the Sabers, would you trust them to make the right decision and like make it like a college thing or like get creative marketing wise? To, to actually fill that stadium on a nightly basis. Do you trust the Sabres? No. So why would you trust the Arizona Coyotes who literally got kicked out of their own arena for being dysfunctional? Why do you think they are going to be able to do it again? I think this is a really bad look for the NHL. I really do. It sounds like just from other podcasts and things that I've heard, it sounds like Gary Bettman has just tried his darndest to keep the Coyotes in Arizona. And I mean, like, this is all contingent, apparently, and this is a little bit older information. If it's changed, I do apologize. Um, but this was all like contingent on that arena in Tempe, Arizona, getting approved, essentially, by Tempe. And then it would be about three to four years for that arena to get built. I mean, I just want to know your general thoughts on this, but this is bad, right? Like, I could be wrong, but this is really bad look. Again, opportunity there, but I just don't trust Arizona to to maximize that opportunity they have. Yeah, I mean, really just based on numbers alone, I mean, if you're only able to sell 5,000 seats max each game, I mean, that's pretty brutal. I mean, we've seen the Sabres this season. Their attendance is awful. I mean, they're still at least getting like 8,000, 8, which is yeah. like still awful. But, I mean, that's nearly twice as much as the max capacity that they have out in Arizona. So, I mean, in terms of, I mean, just like escrow, like all the finances with the league, how I mean, I already know a lot of that's been screwed up just through the pandemic, but I mean, there's no way this is going to help coming out of the pandemic. How in the world are you going to get free agents? I talk about Buffalo being one of those places that's just really tough to get free agents. And like, that's, it's very true. I mean, just climate wise, like it's a lot nicer when you, especially in the off season, when you probably go back to wherever, like Canada or like somewhere in the United States or like overseas, whatever it is, like it's a lot easier to play in Florida during the crappy months and then leave once it gets oppressively hot kind of thing. But I mean, like, how are you going to get free free agents to go there? Because like, again, there is, yeah. I've always said there is the 
you will if you have to either fight for a spot and you have to likely start in the AHL or you play for Buffalo, some guys are going to choose Buffalo. They'd rather have the private flights, the nicer hotels, and likely have a better shot of playing in the NHL. And frankly, if they play well, then they'll probably get a contract elsewhere. So I don't blame them for, for making that decision. But, I mean, I feel like if you're going to Arizona, you're not even considering that because it's just like you're playing in a college arena like I, I just I can't fathom any NHL player having a desire to go play there you're going to only have to draft players and that's and be like you're stuck here under contract you, that's the only way they're going to get players there like I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be some guys that sign there but I mean, what what do you do what do you do like it's yeah, significantly mean... worse than Buffalo <laughs> now yeah, I mean, with, like, college facilities, I mean, I don't really know what they plan on doing as a practice rink, but, I mean, your locker room's obviously in, like, a college arena. It's not even the primary locker room. It's, like, I don't... I mean, they ever so talked that they could rob Austin Matthews out of Toronto ever since Matthews yeah. signed that four-year deal. I mean, there's... I feel like there's no way that happens now. No. I just... There's... There's just so many other good places you can go to. Like, you don't need to play for your hometown team is probably going to be his thought process. If he does sign there, good for him. Good for him, man, because that takes <laughs> that takes some vision. That takes some vision and some faith in the organization. And you know what? If he, he's willing to do that, good for him. Um, speaking of faith, um, it seems like the Flyers have a lot of faith in Rasmus Sosalainen because apparently they're thinking about keeping him. Um, this is again. This was a report from weeks and weeks ago, so I do apologize if things have changed. Um, the Flyers are bad on accident. They made the trades for Risto, Ryan Ellis, and it hasn't worked out. Ellis is hurt. Couturier is, I believe, out for the season now. Ristolainen's Ristolainen. There's being bad as a plan which is what the Sabres are doing. And then there's trying to be good and whiffing hard. And that's what's going on in Philadelphia. And, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, do you think they start to break it up? Because Travis Konechny, hello, I would love for you to be a Sabre. I don't think it's going to happen. But I just kind of wanted to, before we move on to all Sabres stuff, just wanted to get your thoughts on. Because this was written when the Sabres kicked the living crap out of the Flyers. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on not only them trying to stick by Risto, but then it came out, um, you know, uh, I guess Ron Hextall made some moves like drafting Nolan Patrick when everyone was just like, dude, don't do that kind of thing. And I just wanted to get your thought, thoughts on the Flyers organization in general before we moved on to solely Sabre stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I just think that franchise is cursed right now. And I mean, the current group they have is just like downright awful in terms of like the age and the contracts they have there. I mean, they're in a, probably one of the worst spots of the NHL right now. So, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, just... I mean, they definitely got to blow things up, but they really don't have a lot in the way of prospects currently outside. Maybe you could hang on to a young winger like Joel Farabee or someone like that. But... I mean, they have Cam York on the back end too, so there's like hopefully someone you can try to build around in, around in your top four. But, I mean, if you have yeah, faith in but... Risto to try to re-sign him, then <laughs> yeah. it doesn't seem like you're doing a great job of, you know, planning out your defensive core. Got rid of Shane yeah, Gossespierre, I mean, I think... which were – they had issues, but they, like, paid to get rid of him and then paid a, a good chunk of, of money. I don't exactly know what that Ryan Ellis deal was. First-round pick, 
Robert Hag and swapping seconds, um, I believe this year with, with Buffalo, it's just like, what are you guys doing? I believe it's swapping yeah, seconds. I, they're definitely going to be a team that I think rides their current core to the ground. Like, I mean, I really can't see them blowing it up soon. I feel like they're just going to try to, like, maybe sign a guy like Kadri or do something dumb like that to try to just Kadri at like, like squeeze out whatever they can get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Until he's like 42. Yeah. I, I feel like Claude Drew is going to take someone's head off before before this is all said and done because that dude's a fiery competitor. Like he was he was around when I lived in Philly and people love him down there because the the guy's just I mean like he's he's got a lot of heart and stuff like that and um, I don't know if it's going to be like his own teammates head he takes off his coach's head management head someone someone's going to catch the wrath of him. Just hope it's not a Sabres player because it's ugly there, man. It's not getting any better. Um, they traded away Voracek too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Vorchuk's not on the team. Yeah, either. yikes. Um, I mean, best of luck to them. But let's move on to something that I think people will care about a little bit more. Um, and I know, I definitely know you care about this one. What's going on with the Heritage Classic jerseys, huh? <laughs> I mean, are we yeah, just? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's my, less my, than a month. <laughs> my only thing is like they're not releasing it solely because they think it might get canceled because of like all, everything that's going on in Canada right now. I don't know why that would prevent you from releasing them. I really don't, but at the same time, that's my thought process is like they still think the game might not happen, so they're just like being kind of coy with all the details and one of the details being the jerseys. So, I mean, I know you're you're a little worked up, but what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, even if they never played a game, I mean, I'd probably still buy a jersey just because, I mean, I just love, like, I mean, there's not many chances uh, teams have to get, like, a one-off jersey design. Like, these events only come around once so often. So, I mean, I'm probably more excited about the jerseys than the game. But from everything we've heard, it sounds like they will be coming out sometime this week, probably, like, closer to the end of the week. And, uh, I mean, I honestly don't even really know what to expect. I mean, I know it's definitely going to be some type of vintage design. I mean, it might be kind of like a faux back jersey where it's like a throwback that the team never actually wore, like kind of just like a made-up throwback design. I mean, we've seen that for some of these events before, maybe inspired on some older team's designs like the Buffalo Bisons before the Sabres got here. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what it looks like. I mean, it's probably going to drop like 30 minutes after we release. I almost just marble mouth yeah. that so bad after like after we release it tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just I don't get it. I it's whatever. I mean, yeah. It's I, like I, a, I mean, did we it takes hear... two weeks to get jerseys customized? Uh, yeah. Like if you're going to the game, you want a customized jersey. It's like will you even have it in time? No, probably not. Um, I mean, just like I'm someone like this is a little weird personal thing, but I kind of work in like the logistics supply chain thing and it's bad. Like it's bad. It's really bad. So I don't know if you'll get it in time. Um, I feel bad for everyone that, that would want to get one. Um, I don't know. Maybe you'll get it, got, get it by Christmas if I could speak. Um, I mean, the, they're playing the Leafs. The Leafs haven't come out with anything either. Nothing, nothing on their end. So like they're kind of at fault too because like, if yeah. the Leafs came out with something that was like sweet and the Sabres were just like, mm, like that, yeah, I mean, I get it. But if the Leafs aren't really coming out with something, then I mean, at least they're not getting their stuff too. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs could come out with like a paper bag and people would buy like <laughs> a million Austin Matthews and Marner and Nylander jerseys. <laughs> yeah, just to throw them on the ice after like 
they they lose a game by like one goal and they drop to like 32 <laughs> and 16 or something and you're like what um <laughs> but okay so moving on from that who knows hopefully they they do get releases uh, this week, but um, moving on to things that are happening that we can actually see. Uh, Owen Power, Devin Levi. Devin Levi hasn't played at all, but Owen Power has. Uh, the Canadian national team is off to the semi-finals. They beat China in the quarters, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken. Man, I, I was pretty confident about that. Now I'm not, but they beat China. I know they're, they're moving on to the next round. Um, Owen Power has been playing a decent amount of minutes um sounds like he had like a fumble in front of the net and kind of got like the puck stripped off of him um and trying to score it off of it but they you know canada also won seven to two so let's not beat him up over like one little mistake that that happens in hockey stuff like that happens remember eric Stahl last year first game of the season just <laughs> against uh against washington just literally just gave them a the the puck like right in a wide open net and everyone's just yeah. like oh we're not as excited about Eric Stahl as we thought it happens yeah, that was a sign things were coming to an end yeah I that mean, was yeah, I know Powers turnover was pretty bad but I mean he still led the team on ice time in yeah. ice time this game so I think he definitely bounced back in the last two periods I mean it's I think it's pretty crazy to me that he's like 19 years old like the youngest or the youngest defenseman on the team, and he's leading the team in ice time. I think that's pretty cool. It's wild. I don't – I mean, I, I'm just – I'm curious to see really how high his ceiling is because it seems like the – it's, you know, like his ceiling, like the, the basement of it is pretty high, if that makes sense. I don't really know. I feel like I totally just butchered that. Um, but, like, you know, the, the floor, there it is. Like, you know how I talk about, like – Yoki Haru has a high floor but a low ceiling. I wonder, I really wonder how big of a ceiling Owen Power does have. We will talk about him and a few others coming up a little bit later, so I'm not going to really get into that, but that's something that I've I'm trying to figure out. And we do, you know, there's plenty of time to figure it out too because as we've seen with Darlene, you need a couple of years, especially as a defenseman. I hope to God the coaches stay the same because Darlene's had a few different ones, but um you just, you know, we do have some time, but I I, I do I don't question it either. It's not like I'm worried. I'm just curious to see what his ceiling can be because it seems like his floor is pretty high off of basically what you just said. He's getting a ton of ice time, not only in the World Championship, but in the Olympics um, and and obviously getting plenty with, with Michigan as well. So um, let's move on. We'll come back to Owen Power and a few others. Um, that'll all make sense shortly. We have, and this I should have brought this up right after the Flyers thing because they drafted this player with the Flyers first round pick that they sent over in the Ristolainen deal, Isaac Rosine. He is essentially signed to two clubs in the, what is the equivalent, correct me if I'm wrong, the equivalent of like the AHL for Sweden. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much like their secondary league where, I mean, you can get relegated and promoted in Swedish hockey. So if you get relegated from the SHL, you go down to the Elsvenskan. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. Oh, so it's like a second division. The, essentially the division that we yeah. all said the Sabres would be in if the NHL did that. <laughs> um, so he's they doing should. that, but he did get injured. I don't know how long that injury was, but that is something that is like that dude has been like he just hasn't like – wasn't getting any ice time, was still suiting up, I believe, but was literally some some games getting zero ice time. Um, went to the World Juniors, canceled. Um, 
finally, you know, was still kind of getting time here and there, finally got like his first goal in the Elsvenskin. Um, and then like later that game or like the next game got injured. So um, super bummer. And I, I, you know, we're going to talk about a few other prospects here, um, but that's something to keep it's something to keep mind of when like in a year or two when looking back on these guys and seeing where they've progressed we've kind of talked about it with uh, Dylan Griffin um, about the Russian guys but I think Rosine's another guy where you I think you're gonna have to give him like a couple years beyond this one before he can like come over to Rochester and start doing his thing and progressing from there because you essentially have to call this one a wash I mean, I'm sure he's grown, he's gotten physically stronger, he's practicing against men, but he's not playing in games, and you just need repetition. You need repetition, and he wasn't until recently, then he gets injured. So, I mean, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on expectations going forward with him, because he was a top 15 pick, and, you know, the it, it, he's part of the plan going forward. Do you think I'm right saying you, you still need a couple years before he comes over to Rochester? Do you feel comfortable saying that? So first off, I mean, these ads on Elite Prospects are killing me. I don't know if you guys heard that, but like <laughs> an HBO Max commercial just popped up when I was on Isaac Rosine's page. But, I mean, I think he's a, he's definitely an interesting prospect. He's someone where, I mean, he's really just raw like physically. I mean, he's really not that big of a player. And to play pro hockey, especially in a top league like Sweden, I mean, it's definitely harder for, like, slighter frame guys like Rosine. I mean, his skill really needs to be on that other level to, I mean, really be able to compete at that size. And, uh, I mean, he's definitely struggled with getting ice time. Uh, he's a guy that's got, like, a decent amount of potential. He's also a guy that's really no guarantee to become anything in the NHL. Like, he could be a guy that is, like, uh, maybe he plays a few games for the Sabres, but fizzles out. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case, but I do think he has like a pretty low, lowish floor relative to. I mean, really, I mean, really, have 13th overall picks tend to have a more low floor than most people think. But uh, he's, I mean, he's got a good shot. He's got good skill. He's got good speed. He's got some really good traits. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the development's definitely going to take longer. Then maybe some other guys they could have taken in that range, but I mean, at the end of the day, it could also pay out just with all the stackable skills and traits he has uh, to his game. I think, I mean, the Osvangskin is a pretty good place to develop. I mean, we've seen Elias Pedersen play down there. I mean, Jonathan Dahlin, uh, who finally moved over to the NHL, he played a bunch of years uh, in the Osvangskin when he was developing. It's really uh, pretty close to the same talent level as the AHL. Uh, the DL in Germany is probably a similar league so definitely not a bad place for him to develop especially if he gets more ice time which he has been so far yeah for sure i mean that's again ice time is like the biggest thing just getting out there and playing you know you can practice can only get you so far like what we talked about a lot last year is like being on the taxi squad can really only get you so far because you're only practicing you're not getting any game experience whether it was with buffalo or rochester is kind of like the same thing with him so uh, moving on to another prospect, this is something um, that you'll be happy with. We talked about this to begin the season um, and then found out that uh, there was, a, I believe, a torn ACL. Lucas Rusek on the 5th of February, I believe, was seen on the ice at Bill Gray's Iceplex in Rochester uh, getting some practice in with the Americans. So he's back on the ice. Um, 
probably got to give them some, you know, probably like a month or so, who knows, uh, to get in game shape. But that's exciting as well. Uh, Tyler Kozak, who plays out for the Portland Winterhawks, um, for some reason I thought I forgot their name. Um, he is putting together a good season as well. Um, there's a couple other prospects here that I wanted to mention. Josh Bloom finally snapped his um, his goalless drought, which a lot of weird things have been going up in Saginaw. He was playing defense for a while and stuff like that. Um, is there anyone else prospect-wise um, that you're kind of you've seen recently? Any kind of updates you wanted to to put out there? I uh, know you know like the guys like Quinn and Paterka and Power and and a few of those other like big name prospects we will be getting to shortly. Like I said earlier, um, but is there anyone else that you maybe wanted to to mention out there? I mean, Matteo Constantini, he's been getting uh, top-line minutes recently for North Dakota. His numbers haven't been too crazy outside of, like, I believe he had, like, a four-assist game, like, about, like, three weeks ago. But he's been someone that, I mean, he does have NHL traits. I mean, he I think he has an NHL-level shot uh, once that shot's refined. And, I mean, he's honestly a player that will probably be at North Dakota for at least three years. So he's got a lot of development time left. Already great to see him getting some first-line minutes as a freshman and uh, definitely an interesting player to watch going forward. I mean, I think he is a guy who uh, could possibly play a few games for the Sabres someday, and that's definitely not that bad for a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, we haven't necessarily been too high on him in the past. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it just it seemed like a stretch with with the draft pick and he probably would have been available later but you know what good for him that's awesome um i saw that one shot i remember commenting on it he just ripped a, a glove or ripped a glove ripped a shot past the goalie's glove and the goalie was just like okay then sounds good and just like kind of like open and closed at once and was just like all right well maybe next time um it was pretty <laughs> funny uh so yeah good for him um really really happy to see someone <clears throat> excuse me like at least for me, I like when, when people like prove us wrong, kind of like Casey Middlestead, he's falling off, he's never going to get back, and then he was starting to play better, and you're like, yeah, in my face, me. Like, I, I kind of like that, honestly. Um, seems kind of weird, but it's um, I would rather be wrong and then be successful than... You like getting dunked on. Uh, yeah, I love getting dunked on. Please just dunk on me. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Luckily... Uh... <laughs> Oh, man, luckily there's uh there's no no hot takes like uh you know Tage is gonna turn it around this year and then he botched it last year and then figured it out this year. I'm still not over that man. I'm gonna bring that up until the end of time because that was just <laughs> that hurt that like I felt that one. I felt that one deep. That one hurt. It was just like I I really had faith. It didn't work out and I'm just like screw it. Not doing it this year and then of course it goes well. So. Yeah, happy, happy Same for him to me play. Too. Yeah, I mean, happy for I remember, Tage, but oh. yeah, the first game against the Capitals, I remember. I don't really know how I remember the small play, but I believe he like played off the wall and got a pass to like, like Hall, and he fed it to Eichel for like a breakaway, and it's like, oh yeah, Tage Thompson's gonna be on the top line for the Sabers this entire season, yeah. and then that did not work out that season. <laughs> Three blind through the leg passes through his own slot later. And, uh, nah, yeah, nah, didn't happen. Um, I mean, he was also playing for Ralph Kruger, so that doesn't help. Um, he's having a rough go. This wasn't even on my notes, but Holy crap. Jeff Skinner just dancing on his grave at this point. I mean, yeah, what dude, he didn't, we've said this so many times. I really don't want to harp on it. He didn't pull him off the fourth line. 
you had Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner right there, and you're just like, no, no. I mean, can we? Yeah, they could have. Can we file a lawsuit against him, against Ralph Krueger, for um, emotional damage? Emotional damage. Because what? I mean, I just <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Because you see, you see it now, and he's playing with technically worse players. I mean, yeah, it's fun it's to like, dunk on Kruger, but screw you, man. Yeah, it was definitely that thing was definitely on a personal level. I feel like, even though Kruger kept saying it wasn't, but yeah, there's really no hockey reason why. No, none. Skinner should have been down there, and also that that entire Saber season was probably the most tragic. Saber season all time, even more so looking back on it, probably knowing that like Eichel went into that year at the ultimatum. <laughs> and then like everybody just ends up shooting like four percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Hall ends up shooting like two point five percent and everyone wants to like <laughs> throw him in the Niagara. Like it's just Oh man, what a what a brutal season. I mean, at least like at least this season we have some good things like Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, they're playing a lot better. Uh, Alex Tuck is really starting to show. I think Dom Lecision, I believe that's his name. I think I nailed it, which if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm awful with last names, so shout out to me. Um, humble brag. But, but I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, but <laughs> Alex Tuck is at like valuation of like $9 million market value. Like I don't know if that means like if he was on the open market or like – that's kind of like the, the the production as opposed to like what he's making kind of thing. All I know is it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> um, the one warning I did put out there again, and Jack Uckle is about to make his debut tomorrow. So technically, if you're listening when we release it Wednesday morning, today, he's about to make his debut against Colorado, which I don't know, maybe... They just put Mark Stone on the IR, so the, like I'm pretty sure like the LTIR, so maybe that's a reason why, but maybe don't start him against Colorado, who's an absolute wagon. I don't know if they have McKinnon back yet, um, but I, it just, I don't know, maybe I feel like there's better teams to start him against. Anyway, we have a ton of excitement about talking Krebs, and you should, you absolutely should, but right now, this is probably the best this deal's going to look. It's because once Jack yeah. Uncle goes back out there and he's playing for Vegas, he's not playing for Buffalo anymore where he was over a point of game. And what in 2019, 20, he was looking over that. Um, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to, to watch because yeah. he's going to have success. It's Vegas and he's, he's Jack fricking Eichel. Um, I think we, yeah, I think he's we forget probably, that. I think he's definitely fired up too. I mean, with everything that happened this off season, I mean, not be able to play for, uninjured since probably like 2020 yeah. uh he's definitely gonna come out like guns a blazing i think he's at, at in my opinion i mean i don't think there's really many other players in the nhl that have just like more motivation like a better work ethic when he's out of the ice than jack eichel i mean despite despite what some sabers fans may want to say i think most that's revisionist history but i mean that guy's like motivated in the gym and on the ice. I mean, yeah. he's a fiery player. So, dude, he was deadlifting. It's gonna be interesting like, to see what he does. He was deadlifting <laughs> like four oh five or like four fifty at like fifteen years old, and I'm like, oh, okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, there's you can't really question that. You can like question like the personality or like how he handled things or whatever, but you really can't question the ability or the work ethic out there. 
Um, even when he was like super injured with like, God, no, like the rib. And then it was his neck, his ankle. When that dude fell on it, he was still out there giving it his all. I mean, like he wasn't scoring and stuff like that, but the effort was, I didn't, I didn't question the effort. Um, it's, it, I remember when first, and I don't really want to get too deep into this and, and drag this out, but I remember when I first saw him play in like 2015 at the prospects or not prospects challenge, a development camp, he was like, I was starting to get mad because like he would take like two strides and that it looked like he was gliding and my, like my brain just couldn't like make the connection. He was still blowing by people. So like, just because he wasn't moving his feet as fast as Connor McDavid or whomever who have like really fast feet, he still, I mean, he was, he was using his power and his leverage over his quickness and like, you saw it at times he he still has that burst of quickness too if he needs it so like you just you really can't question the ability or the work ethic and he's going to come back and it's he's going to light this freaking league on fire i don't even think that that's not even a bold assessment i mean like mark stone went down he's going to have to take on more responsibility there he has better line mates in vegas better decor better goal ten, like better everything than he had here in buffalo why wouldn't he absolutely light it up? Why wouldn't next year, let's assume he plays an 82-game season next year, why wouldn't he score well over 100 points? Why wouldn't he? It's just... Yeah, I'm you, I'm honestly just so excited to see uh, both Eichel and Reinhardt in the playoffs finally. Yeah. I mean, it feels like we've been waiting for those two to make their playoff debut. I mean, Eichel, just like how talented he is. I remember thinking that if this guy ever gets in the playoffs, he's going to have, like, a McKinnon-type playoffs where he's just dominant. And, like, Reinhardt, too. Like, if this guy ever gets in the playoffs, he's going to be that that kind of unsung, underrated hero that's able to lead his team to the Stanley Cup. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that uh, this spring. I mean, Sam Reinhardt strikes me as that guy that, like, really, like, steps it up in the playoffs where, like, he scores, like, the big goals. And he, like he's just like solid all around kind of thing because like that's he's solid all around. He's a good playmaker, but um, and he's a, like a decent goal scorer. Uh, but I think like he could be one of those guys in the playoffs that like really like leads a team and leads a team or like leads a league, whatever it is in in scoring goals in the playoffs. He just strikes me as one of those players. Might not happen, but he just strikes me as one of those guys. Um, I, I, my God, Florida. I mean, you have Florida and Tampa. And I mean, it's like 70 degrees out there and they have playoff teams and it's freaking two degrees up in Buffalo. And we have a team that we're like, yay, we're, we're going to get another top five pick. It's just, uh, just really bothers me. I'm just salty. That's all. Um, speaking of picks and, you know, kind of what's coming up in the future. Um, one wanted to go over the trade deadline, which I believe, holy crap, I knew it last time. I'll look it up and I'll, after I ask you um, kind of your thoughts on it, I'll look it up the specific date, but I think it's like mid to late March is the trade deadline. Who on the Sabres do you believe will be traded? Um, I think they'll probably take and give a bunch of phone calls about a lot of players. Um, for me, and before I let you you know, kind of go off with it, I'm thinking Robert Hag and Colin Miller, um, I think, I, I or one of the two maybe. Um, but those are the guys that I think will be gone. Maybe... It just depends on like Hinnestroza, like their their injury updates, and we'll kind of get more information on on future podcast episodes. Um, but maybe like a Hinnestroza too, I think could be gone. I don't think Eakin or like Hayden or Jankowski. Well, speaking 
Speaking of that, Darren Dreger actually just brought up Cody Eakin's name alongside Miller and Hagen, Sabres mm. players that have <gasps> interest from other teams. <gasps> oh, who? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm dry heaving. Um, I just like, why? <laughs> I don't Definitely, get it. it's got to be face-offs. I feel like. it, ha- it. It absolutely has to be face-offs. And you know what? Credit where credit is due. Pretty damn good at face-offs. So I'll give them that. Um, jeez. I mean, I, I'm very interested to see what they get back. It can't be too much, but I mean, if they can move him, it's, I'm in the mode where if you know they're not coming back next year, you get rid of them. And maybe even if you think they're coming back next year and that like you pull a Matt Molson where you trade him away and then you just resign him in the off season, which depending on the person, I'm not exactly sure if I'm totally down for that. Cody Eakin. No, yeah, that Molson one didn't turn out too well. No, in, it in did the end. Not. I mean, the first year or two is good. <laughs> at, at the time, we were like, sweet, let's go. We just got assets for a guy we literally just got back, which is awesome. Like, strategically, I think that's a really good idea. And that's what the same thing they need to do now is they need to, if you know a guy's not going to resign or you don't plan on resigning him, he doesn't plan on resigning and you won't want him to, whatever. If you if you know he's not coming back, see ya. Even if it's a sixth, seventh round pick, who knows? You might hit on that six years later. Just if you yeah, know they're gone, like, go. Think, you can't gut your team. They did that but... with uh, with Tory Mitchell, I think. I believe they traded him for like a sixth, seventh round pick back when they were rebuilding. So they're just stockpiling anything. I yeah. think he, he turned out. I think they pretty... also got like they got one of the scouts, like friends' son that was like a player for Rochester or something. Oh god, it was like drama Jack. It was that. like Jack Nevins or something. Or oh yeah, Jack Nevins. Yeah, oh, that was a player. <laughs> it was like Tim Murray's friend's son or something, and he traded for him. And yeah. was just like, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, was... Montreal fans didn't even know he was in the system. Speaking, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Speaking of GMs being complete idiots, uh, came out today. Um, from, oh shoot, who was it from? I believe it was Frank Saravelli. Uh, teams are offering Chicago a first round pick and a prospect for Brandon Hagel. Mind you, this is the sixth round pick of the Buffalo Sabres that Botterill's just like, nah. And this is when they have like no freaking forwards in their system too. He was like, nah, yeah. not going to sign him to an entry-level contract, which I still don't get. We don't bring it up nearly as often. And, of course, we'll bring it up now when stuff like this comes out. No matter what day it is, stupid decision. Stupid decision. Yeah, I mean, uh, what the f- – what are you doing? And he still has – he's like the assistant GM in Seattle, man. How do you get a job? Yeah, like, how do you like- still have a job? You traded O'Reilly for what you did granted Terry probably had way too much control over that, but you still pull, you're the one you're, you're the face of it. <laughs> you have Brandon Hagel. Who you didn't even sign to an entry level contract team. They're offering a first round pick for, and you, again, this is like a forward. You usually get first round picks for defensemen these days, but forwards, he's got to be a good player to get a first round pick. Um, Tyler Toffoli just got one. Um, which seems like Calgary might be a wagon. Uh, throw some money on them to win the Stanley Cup if you're looking for a big payout. Um, that is not advice. That's what I did, and I am praying <laughs> to God it works out. Um, but I mean, height of stupidity, right? Like I don't really like you. I know you're infuriated by it too, and so I'm not. Re- I don't really need to get your opinion. But you take the take the next minute just to yell about Jason Potter and how much he sucks. Yeah, I mean, really, I that. I remember at the time that move happened, I mean, obviously I didn't know Brandon Hagel would kind of turn into the player he eventually became. But, I mean, like, at the time, like, he was, 
I believe he was putting up pretty decent numbers in the WHL. I know he went back for his overage season and just dominated, which tends to happen with overage players in that league. But, I mean, to not even give him an entry-level contract, I mean, guys we see at entry-level contracts, I mean, they're obviously under a different GM, but we've seen, like, Vaxov Karabacek, uh, Eric Cornell, like, players like that who never even make it to the NHL. If you think a guy's got a remote chance of making it to the NHL. I mean, you give him an entry-level contract. I mean, you got you put him 50 in contract spaces you on your team. Yeah, you put yeah, him I mean, in Rochester. <laughs> like, I just... And this was, like, the same time where they had, like, Casey Fitzgerald playing on their, like, third frickin' line in Rochester. Yeah. And, like, it's it just... I, I just... Oh, and damn. Hagel right now, he's, he's <laughs> 11th in goals above replacement in the NHL right now. Yeah, lovely. Which is... Max Just Willman's insane. doing pretty well for Philly, which I take with a grain of salt. It's like saying Alex Tuck's doing well with the Sabres. It's like, yay, but yikes. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, like, Willman, Willman was, well he was a pretty wild development story. He came I think out. He was at, came out of nowhere. He was like Brown. <laughs> he, yeah, when they didn't sign him, I was like, that's fair. He hasn't really done much. So it was like, it's almost like saying like that Christopher Brown guy they drafted to see him like sign and do well. And everyone was like, how could the Sabres not do him or sign him? Like, and no, I mean, Max Willman, eh, he didn't really do much. Like, he always had the skill. I always liked him in, like, the, the prospects camps and, like, those um, tournaments and stuff. But he just didn't have enough that seemed like it warranted. Yeah. But it seemed like Brandon. production. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, and especially with, like, more of a, like, a skilled player. I mean, like, it seems like he's kind of transitioning into, like, a bottom six person who can, like, be depth scoring, essentially. So, I don't know. I kind of always assumed, like, he was going to be, like, a more like middle six like you know score with like skill and stuff like that kind of like a almost like an Aaron Huglin in a sense I'm kind of thinking um like soft hands um just you know kind of raw prospect but um yeah I mean Brandon Hagel just not signing him I mean Wilman I get some other guys I get uh Peterson Cal Peterson I mean this is real revisionist history that one that one sucked I still uh, don't like that but yeah, I mean just hurts right now. <laughs> Brandon Hagel yeah right exactly and that's actually that's going to lead me into something where what do the Sabres do this offseason like next year you were mentioning something on Twitter and I mentioned we were going to talk about it um it was next year they're probably still going to suck and I didn't directly com I wanted to directly comment um basically saying like and that's a you should almost look at it as a good thing because that means that Kevin Adams isn't going to do that. Uh, uh, Tim Murray, we're going to rebuild this thing real quick when he traded for Ryan O'Reilly, which was a good trade at the time. Um, Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian, uh, Robin Leonard, all that. Like it seems like Kevin Adams is playing the long game, and he's made it. He's said it multiple times, and I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast that I support that thought process, and as I believe everyone else should. Um, when it comes to goaltenders, you're, I don't think you're going to have Craig Anderson. Maybe Tukarski comes back on another one-year deal. But, like, what you're depending on UPL to be ready. Like, they just they have young goalies, but it just doesn't seem ready. Like, they don't have any goalies coming through their system. And, like, Cal Peterson would be, like, the perfect guy right now because he's still young technically. But, you know, he's, like, an NHL-caliber goalie. Like, UPL, it seems like he might be, but we don't know. Now he's injured. Then there's Portillo, he's still in college, Levi, sitting on the bench in China. I mean, like, it just, it seems like there's just not, like, especially with goalies being voodoo, I mean, I know they can come out of nowhere, but it seems like forwards looking pretty good. 
looking pretty good. Goalies looking pretty good for like next year, like to see some progress there. Goalies, eh, you're really depending on UPL getting a lot of time next year because it just doesn't seem like they have that guy that's still technically part of the process going forward but and is like a little bit older maybe like an Alex Tuck age stuff like that I just kind of wanted to get your thought processes like are they really going to have to do the whole going to sign guys at like 11 p.m on the signing day of like Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell are they going to end up signing like Koskinen or some crap to like a one-year deal like what's kind of like your framework and and how you would map out how to tackle the goaltenders for not only next year so the team like guys like I don't know Quinn Paterka other guys that are coming up aren't getting buried because their goalies can't stop anything but at the same time you're still planning for the future well I mean with Miller and Eakin with both those guys probably leaving during the trade deadline that's like and even Robert Haig too that's like around eight million dollars you're losing on a team that's barely above the cap floor right now so I mean they're gonna have to sign some players i mean i don't really know how they're going to spend all that money i mean i think i mean i know they're going to have to do probably short-term big money deals kind of similar to the taylor hall deal but i mean obviously like a lesser player so i mean maybe they try something like that with goaltending i mean just taking a quick glance at the free agents uh in the goalie market next year it's uh pretty bad i mean it's really just a bunch of older guys in their 30s who are having pretty underwhelming seasons this year. Uh, there's, like, one guy that's kind of interesting, I guess, is Ville uh, Husso uh, on St. Louis. I believe he's going to be a free agent. Not a chance. I, like, I mean, unless you're really outbidding someone, like, I just don't. Like, he's on St. Louis. Like, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know anything about he's him. He's going to be I just, a hot on the market. Because, yeah. I mean, he's been one of the best goalies in the league this year, even though I'm not even sure if he's – their starter but i mean he's already 27 so i think he's taking it from benning or like he's at least splitting yeah. with bennington which i'm sure bennington being the cool and he's calm better than bennington yeah he <laughs> is better than bennington and i'm sure bennington's taking that just oh so well yeah because like the interesting thing is with st louis i mean they're already paying bennington six million for the next uh oh. however long like oh, five dear. six years can you With imagine? No trade clause. <laughs> can you imagine they they trade the Sabers trade for Bennington and they say this is our guy until like Levi and Portillo are ready and they try to like run Bennington UPL. Oh god! I mean, he is he is an Ontario guy, so maybe he waves his no trade clause for a starting job. Yeah, in but Buffalo, he's. But I mean, I also. Oh, I no thank <laughs> you, man. I hate to have him in. Yeah, no, just no. He just thank seems you. like a weird guy all around. <laughs> I just, I mean. I've never met him personally, but I just this don't is on like ice him. stuff is just like on ice stuff. He's... We were bitching about uh, Aaron Dell about what he did. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have content out the wazoo if you have Bennington in there. I'm sure he'll he'll do the same thing. Remember when he was getting like sent to the ECHL and he was just like, no, not doing it. I'm sure if he was like getting traded to Buffalo, he would because like he, I'm sure he's one of those guys that definitely has a stereotype about Buffalo. If he hears them, they're like, oh, it sucks. The place sucks. Like, guarantee he's just like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, somehow tries to get out of it or, like, won't report or something. He's already done it once, yeah. and it got him what he wanted. He's going to try to do it again, I would assume. And so, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that whole free agent list this offseason, it's pretty bad. I mean, I don't know if you want to dedicate a ton of money to that position. 
just as a placeholder for a team that probably won't even be that good to begin with. I mean, obviously you hope either Levi, Portillo, or maybe even UPL could take over the starting or even the starter and backup position in some way. So you kind of throw a wrench in those plans if you sign a guy, say, like, five years, like five and a half million. That's Yeah. I mean, they got the space for it, but in five years you want to be paying like a Carter Hutton type guy, five and a half million dollars. I mean, I guess that's kind of the thing they'll have to decide this off season. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm just, I'm looking at the list too. And I just don't see any, like, I'm sure there's players again out there that, that would come to Buffalo, maybe like a, like a Phoenix Copley or like a, like a Brian Elliott or something like that. Like some older guy on like a couple year deal. Yeah. Maybe. Something. I mean, like Craig, Craig Anderson's fine. I mean, he's been, He's been saving what's expected from him this season. And, like, I mean, goaltending's been a problem, but it's it hasn't really been decimating them. I mean, it's definitely – I mean, I don't really know how you could get good goaltending when you played, like, seven goalies with injuries. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's just been all right. So as long as they could find a guy that could keep them afloat, I'm fine with it. I'm not really interested in finding the answer for that position this offseason. I think that's something that could wait as we – continue to see like Levi and Portillo develop I mean especially once they get to the pro level because as we know there's a bunch of guys that do great in college that flame out once they sign in like the AHL so I think just watching those guys develop I mean one one of them's got to be the starter someday so I mean I, I guess we'll just wait and see for that position I just I have a tough time thinking they're gonna whiff on all three of UPL Portillo and Levi again goalies are voodoo like we just don't I don't get it I don't understand how these go like some goalies are and like Carter Hart he was like good one year and then like the next year he's awful and it's just like yeah I just don't get it like Jonathan Quick's like making a comeback after like a couple years and everyone's like yeah he's been insane this year what's going on here so like you just don't understand like I'm sorry I shouldn't say you don't understand it's tough to understand because you just don't have any like normalcy to it you kind of have some trajectories with like defensemen they need a little bit longer forwards are usually like the quickest to be able to adapt and then goalies you just have no idea so i mean it's just it's really tough um last thing i wanted to go over it was something that uh, i teased earlier um talking more about owen power but this is also going to include jack quinn jj paterka uh i think that should be i really think that should be about it my question to you is have they done enough this year for you to automatically pencil them into next year's opening night lineup? Or are you still saying like they still need to do a little bit more, need a little bit more time? Or are you automatically throwing Power's name in on lines, Quinn's name in on lines, and Paterka's name in on lines? And like, not like this is what it could be in the future. No, like this is, I'm penciling this in for next year's opening night roster. These are my, these are guys that have earned this spot have they done enough already to in your mind kind of earn that i understand it's a tough question but i just wanted to kind of get your sense on where you think they are readiness wise to play in the nhl full time yeah i mean i i love that i saw from jack quinn in the in the i don't know was it only like two games that we saw before he ended up getting injured i think Maybe he might be the furthest ahead of the uh, Quinn Krebs uh, Paterka bunch. I mean, I think he's someone that's really going to show up once he comes back from injury and kind of impress. I mean, obviously rookie struggle. I mean, really just with like the all around 
positive impact play, but I do think he could be a guy that could help score some goals, especially on the power play. Because, I mean, we've seen a guy like Olsen, his shot kind of disappeared. I mean, maybe that's because he's injured right now. But, I mean, while he's injured, I think Jack Quinn could be a pretty decent replacement for him. He's been one of the best uh, power play goal scorers in the AHL this season. So he's someone that I think... Out of those three, I think he has the best shot. I mean, I think Krebs, I think he's going to stay up. He's been, he's definitely had his moments of being really good, but as a whole, on five on five, he's been like, I don't. He's been. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to bury him too much, but he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't definitely. There's outside of specific moments, it's been a little vanilla in a sense. So I I can understand that, but I think, I think he's done. I think he's done enough to probably stick up here, especially with his abilities on the yeah. on the power play. Like that's really starting to to like to show, and like that's just something. Yeah, hundred percent. Send him down to like the end of the year, which I I think there's like a limit, and we'll talk about this later on in, in for further episodes about like the like the cutoff to send guys down to the AHL, and we'll kind of like try to see like has this guy like earned enough to just play out the rest of the year in Buffalo? If that even if that means they can't play in the playoffs for the AHL, assuming that they do have them, I believe that's still the plan. That is something we will talk about, but um, I think at least for you know for now, I'm penciling Krebs in um, in the lineup next year. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, a lot of people forget too. He's part of that 2019 draft class, so he's pretty much the same age as Dylan Cousins. So he's yeah. give him some kind of. I mean, really, really, the injuries have kind of held his development back from like really progressing as much as his peers. But yeah, he's an older player, so yeah, just on that alone, I could see him staying up, and then. If we were the last guy, Paterka, I think, I mean, with what we've seen from him in the AHL, I mean, he's really added just so many dimensions, so many layers to his game since uh, his drafter and they picked him out of the DL. I mean, a lot of that development came last year, and we're seeing it further develop in the AHL. So, I mean, he's somebody that I, I think we could definitely see him in the NHL full-time next year. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see all three of them. I mean, maybe we see a guy like Paterka go up and down every once in a while depending on how he's playing but i definitely wouldn't be surprised to see all three of them uh in the sabers lineup full full time next season maybe even this season to end it yeah i i mean i want to see the guys in college do well but i also want to see them get bounced like immediately so like guys like power and johnson and i don't think they would sign I don't think they would sign Portillo. This they want him to get another year, probably at Michigan. I would assume. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I kind of kind of <laughs> or, or like Devin Levi. Maybe I think he might stay another year too. I'm I'm more curious about um, if Devin Levi would stay or not. But um, you know, just yeah, kind of seeing player, like if they would. Yeah, I think with the, going back your junior season scares me a little bit. Yeah, because like you just need I one guess. more season after that, and then you can just go wherever yeah. you want. That's like. That scares the crap out of me, too. We talked about Kale <laughs> Peterson, so let's go ahead and mention it. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, cause it's not – I mean, telling a college kid that they could go back one year, play D1 hockey for, like, a top program. Go like to Michigan, parties. Not, be yeah, a senior. It's not the at, hardest thing yeah. to convince them to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're a senior at college, which is the best. You're going to be playing D1 hockey in, you know, the Northeast. Awesome. You're, like, a really you good goalie, and you're probably going to have – teams lining up for you at the end of it so yeah i mean sign them up put them in the ahl i mean i think goalies i think goalies are a lot considering there's only 
freaking two spots for them on, on each team. Like, goalies are a lot more willing to, like, stay in the AHL longer just because, like, again, there's two spots and still good, you know, still good competition when it comes to, like, getting shots on net in the AHL because, like, you know, yeah, you might not have, like, the highest skilled or, like, the hardest shots, but you're still getting plenty of practice in there. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, that's going to be something – Honestly, that's really going to be something to, to keep an eye on for, for all of these players. Um, goalie, defense, for, forward. Do we have any forward? Constantini's not going to sign any other forwards in the NCAA. I don't think so. Uh, um, Aaron Huglin, but he's also yeah. he's going to be a development project yeah. due to his injury. Forgot about him, but yeah, that's definitely that's definitely true. I'm glad to see him, you know, out there and playing. And I don't really know too much about his stats. I've seen some highlights, but um, yeah, definitely give him he's plenty been of time. Heating up too. as of late. Heating up? Oh, you don't. Yeah. You gotta watch out for heating up uh, Aaron Huglin, or else teams are gonna start gonna start getting torched. He's gonna start pulling. He was like, he was the guy that I mean, he wasn't the one that like started the Michigan, but like he years ago pulled that off, and it was still like when it was a little not taboo in a sense, but like people really weren't pulling it off. He pulled it off in what U eighteens or something like that. Yeah, the I think the Ivan Holinko tournament. He did that. Uh, uh, yeah, that crazy uh, lacrosse goal. Yeah, it was good. It was definitely good. He had a good tournament that one. Uh, he was again. I, I think I, I don't know if I wrote about it or talked about it before, but um, that tournament there was like highlights. I think Austin put together. Um, Austin Broad, Charging Buffalo, go give him a follow. Um, I think he put them together where like Huglin's really good at forechecking too. Like he's just like a nag on the puck and like that just. I mean, he has like super soft hands, but if you also have like a really good forechecking game, like if I would hope that he can continue to carry that on through the levels of hockey that he plays but if he can like that's a really useful tool speaking of Voklok Karapacek that was like the only thing he could do and then once he finally got to like Rochester he just couldn't do it anymore (laughs) so he had literally nothing that he could do unfortunately like still again and this is like goes I was talking to someone and they're like oh you have a podcast about hockey I'm like yeah yeah and they're like do you ever feel weird about like talking about like professional hockey players I'm like yeah because they're like significantly better than me at hockey, but you have to like try to like compare it to their peers, not myself yeah, kind of so, thing. It's really because yeah. like, yeah, of course, like it'd be really weird to go up to some guy and be like, I don't think you're very good at hockey. And he'd be like, what? So yeah, I mean, like I just, I just found that interesting to um, like talk about. It's because it's just like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a weird position, but at the same time you got, again, we call balls and strikes and, we're comparing them to to their peers, and yeah, homie couldn't do anything out there. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, I mean, I've definitely had, I've definitely had, like, I think it was like oh, one of Casey Middlestat's friends from high school or something. In my mentions after one episode, I'm yeah. like, this is all just for fun, man. I mean, these guys are making like a million dollars a year. I don't think they care if some guy yeah. in his bedroom with a microphone right now is saying that. He doesn't think he could be a top six forward. Yeah. And I mean, like, you even, like, we make fun of Cody Eakin all the time. Like, yeah, he's still, like, a ridiculously good hockey player in comparison to yeah. all other hockey players <laughs> out there. Like, I, we get it. We get it. Yeah, I understand. It's all relative. <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. Um, it would be really funny. I would just love for, like, for, like, players to start, like, 
essentially like going after people about their abilities on like podcasts or like yeah like uh i like, think brian brian scalabrini uh the guy in the celtics i remember he did that i think a fan challenged him to like a oh, one-on-one yeah. basketball game or something yeah he did like a tournament and he was just like he got the yeah. best of the best and he like let like one person scored a single point on him of like a game to 11 <laughs> or something like that and he was just like yeah i'm like maybe the worst player in the nba but i can still wax you any single day same thing with the hockey players man like even the yeah. worst player in the NHL is so freaking good at hockey. So good at hockey. And, like, just like a ridiculous athlete in general. Like, yes, Phil Kessel is a ridiculous athlete. I don't care what you have to say about his consumption of hot dogs. He's still ridiculously <laughs> athletic, um, even if it doesn't look like it, which is it's just wild. Just like, like Deion Dawkins, huge dude that, like, if, like, or, like, offensive linemen, like, they move so quickly. Like watching watching those guys like with their quick bursts of speed while like hauling around like three hundred and fifty pounds is just like so impressive. I know this has nothing yeah. to do with like sabers or like anything to do with hockey, but like man, Deion Dawkins is such a huge dude and he's so like fast and quick. Those dudes, like my God. I swear to God linemen could run a quicker forty than me who is definitely not built like a lineman and like can definitely whoop me in it too. So it's, I think it's more of a glaring indictment on me than anything else, but it's just (laughs) professional athletes are insane. Like I can't imagine what they, you know, what they have to put their bodies through. But anyway, we're not really going to get into the whole like physiological makeup of professional athletes. Let's just call them really good at what they do. Um, so I think at this point it's unless there's anything else that you really wanted to bring up um, Sabres play tonight game starting here shortly um, hopefully it's oh god it's against the Islanders and I might fall asleep yeah, during mean, it can't can't promise the I last time the Sabres played or anything cool with the Islanders was when Vanek scored that goal in like the 2007 playoffs I can't think of anything memorable against that team since then uh, Cody Eakin getting burnt by Matthew Barzell uh maybe i mean yeah yeah but i mean that, that was fun for islanders fans yeah also i think Barz- barzell had like some insane goal against the sabers last year too uh yeah i think it was a between was the legs like it the was it was bad i i can't remember exactly what it was all i know is just like watching it and like oh <laughs> that's gonna be yeah. everywhere. it was not good <laughs> i think it was against carter hutton i was just like eh, figures yeah so um, i guess islanders fans have good memories against the sabers can't say the same vice versa you know what? I yeah. I I was gonna say something mean to, to Islanders fans about like them having to go to Barclays, but KeyBank Center's freaking falling apart too, so I can't even say that. Um, <laughs> and they're getting like a new stadium built and everything, so yeah, good for you, I, Islanders. I, I, fans. Think I think they're there right now, actually. Are they really? Have they moved in? I yeah. thought they were in Nassau. I think they moved in like late oh, in the season. Maybe that's, I think the Sabers had their first. We're at the first game for that opening, I'm pretty sure, actually, now that I think of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was... So, yeah, so now they're beating us in every category. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I just... Ugh. Why? I really... You know, I'm really banking. I really hope Arizona na- knocks it out of the park with somehow getting all their fans, like, getting engagement to that their games, because then the Sabres are really, really in trouble. I mean... Sabres will move to the Harbor Center at that point. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was really weird to watch World Junior Games being played there. It was just like, yeah, I feel like this should I be remember, in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, the Sweden uh, 
I forgot who Sweden was playing, but I remember like somebody at the concession stand burnt popcorn oh, and set off the no. fire alarm. And, and the venue is like so small that, yeah. I mean, obviously you could hear it on the ice. So the guys are out there for warm-ups. There's just like a fire alarm. Is that, that's the same tournament. Like burnt popcorn. That's the same tournament. Some guy was putting pegs into the uh, into the goal, and guys were just ripping shots over his head. It was like the Slovakian team or something like that. We're just oh, yeah. ripping, and the guy was just like pissed. He was just like, "Guys, what are we doing here?" And he, I guess they must have like assumed like or like we're mad that this wasn't done beforehand. So they're like, "And this is our warm up time, so we're just gonna rip these anyway." But <laughs> what a nightmare, <laughs> man! He got burnt popcorn. He got that. If the, I mean, you got the picture of UPL and all his crap coming down the escalator. That's about the one thing that, that was good that Leas came over. Anderson with throwing the medal. In the, throwing the medal. The I mean, they had the outdoor game, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, hey, you know, that was a good thing. But <laughs> everything else, yikes. Um, my God. I don't, I don't think the World Juniors is going to be coming back anytime soon to Buffalo. That or the – I think the Frozen Four, like the NCAA playoffs came and, like – Tickets were ridiculously expensive, and I'm pretty sure those places were pretty empty too, right? Or those are yeah, the places, the that's places. what I heard. Yeah, not good. yeah. I mean, yeah, really, just I mean, really, just pricing people out uh, with a yeah. lot of those events. I mean, like it doesn't help that the Sabers suck, so people were just kind of just you know just kind of like not into hockey. Yeah. And yeah, remember when uh, Terry said this was going to be hockey heaven? We're still waiting. Oh God, what a yeah. nightmare! Yeah. Hockey purgatory. Hockey, yeah, it is. It really is hockey purgatory. It really was hockey purgatory when Jack Eichel was here. It really <laughs> was hockey purgatory then. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> well, Jack Eichel making his debut. I love Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and whoever they draft for that first round pick. I just want to put that out there now. But oh man, I'm worried about what he's gonna do because it's gonna be ugly. Yeah. Um, but, it's going to be interesting to watch. <laughs> we'll discuss it on the next podcast. So, again, this is the Sabermetrics podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo. Thank you to Jared for joining us. Um, go follow him, J-A-R-E-D-H-A-L-T on Twitter. Uh, follow the Charging Buffalo. Um, man, uh, Underdog Fantasy. Want to throw them throw them a little love, too. Um and the justition guys go go follow them too i'm sure there's going to be more stuff coming out from the all-star game from there so um i appreciate it again as always walt has the last word so what do you got man uh i mean not really looking forward to watching the islanders right now so i mean that's really all i got i mean hopefully hopefully when you guys listen to this episode tomorrow you're like oh that game was amazing you were wrong but <laughs> uh, <I don't> <laughs> highly unlikely <laughs> have a good one everyone we'll catch you on the next one